One, two, one, two. Oh, oops. It's kind of a throwback. Wrong show. Wrong show. <laughs> Remember those days doing the, doing the radio show, the one, two, one, two radio show? I do. Uh, How could I forget? Yeah. Lovely hip-hop experiences. Those were the days. Those were the days. Yeah. It was actually kind of a vehicle to connect with some artists because, you know, in those days, everybody was trying to get on. And if you were to approach an established artist, like, listen to my demo, how many other demos do they get that day? But right. if you had a radio show, you can say, hey, I would like to interview you on my show. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, take my number. Boom. I think we made a few connects that way. Yeah, and it's always good to talk with with other artists and um, you know, get their story, what they're doing. You know, it's 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 good to yeah, network like that. It was good all around. Yeah. So. Yeah, a lot of stuff happening. A lot of a lot of stuff hip hop connected. Like uh, you posted right. about um, yo Chuck D. That's another thing. Chuck that- D. Yeah, it's another thing that happened. We went and we did a song that Chuck D ended up playing on his radio show. Now, I don't think we had Chuck D in mind when we made the song, but it just kind of worked out. No, no, we did. Did we? Because I know he did put a call out. He put a call out. Yeah. This was, um, yeah, this was years ago. Um. He put a call out. This was, I remember specifically, this was after um, Donald Trump, pre-President Trump, pre, pre-candidate Trump. Right. And he said he has, oh, I have a good relationship with the blacks. And um, a few other comments. I don't remember what else he said, but I remember that one specifically. It was during the birther controversy. Yeah. Controversy. And where... He said he had investigators on the ground, and he's making a big deal right. out of the fact that he was going to try to prove that President Obama was not born in the U.S. Right. And Chuck D. made that call out saying, like, um, basically, um, you know, hip-hop was, um, you know, usually spoke spoke to issues like this, and no one had been speaking on issues like this. Like, you know, there had been no, no social or political messages or any anything like that and so he was put the call out for for rappers uh MCs to uh record something. And so, yeah. Right. We got down and we and we knocked something out. We sent it off to him and I remember when he played it on the show, he even highlighted the point that we were the only ones that answered the call. Yes, no, I do recall that clearly. I just didn't think that we recorded it with him in mind, I thought that we heard him say this after we had already done it, and we, and we said, "Oh, perfect, we already did something like this." Not, I thought it was that he. It could have been, but I thought I thought it was specifically to uh, what he put out. But perhaps. Well, either way, he gave us props for for doing it, and he did say on his show that we were the only ones to step up to the plate. And we said, he said, we put the Donald back in his place. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all. It's always good to get um, uh, to get recognition from you know artists that you're fans of that have, you know, especially iconic artists like Chuck D. Exactly, and that's what I said on social media 
this past week that I consider that to be my biggest accomplishment because it's Chuck D. That's validation. That's all the validation you need. Like, how can anybody say you you don't have a right to exist in this world when Chuck D is giving you props? I mean, that's hey. your you know that's your pass. That's that's all you need. Exactly, exactly. And I remember I saw him. Um, I met him. I don't remember how long after that, but I was at the premiere of the Art of Rap, Ice T's movie, The Art of Rap, and um, I was at the New York premiere. And that was the influence for bringing the all. Um. Well, Chuck was the influence. I no, I saw that was from when he was doing the show at oh, I can't remember the name of the place. It doesn't exist in New York anymore. Um, when the Wonder Twins were doing their networking events. Mm. But when Ice T put out the movie, I had um pass a pass to go see the premiere. And Ice T was there, Coco was there, Chuck was in the audience, and, you know, a bunch of other people were there. Um I met Ice T and Coco. I don't know if it was the same event or not, though. But it was That's also a, different a Wonder one. Twins event. Okay. Yeah. And I got a calendar from Coco that I ended up selling on eBay. Yeah. And so this was at the Lincoln, the Lincoln Center, where they had the premiere of the movie. And so, mm. and I went up to Chuck D afterwards, um, just to you know say what's up. And um, I told him my name, and like he knew who I was. He remembered from from the show. And right there, he's like, "Yo, you really talented." Oh, from his radio show? Yeah, he remembered. Oh, nice. So that was that was really dope. So, yeah, that's that's. I think that's worth a lot, you know, to get props and respect from from people like that. I think so too, yeah. and it's good to respect your elders and know where you came from. And I think Chuck is right that. Being socially and politically conscious was a big part of hip hop, and in many ways we got away from that. And so it's good to have a voice like him to remind us that this is a big part of what hip hop can and should be about. Right. Not to discount having fun, but no, of course not. You know, there's always, you know, there sh- it shouldn't be only about one thing. It should be a broad conversation, like any, like everything. Right. Right. So, yeah. Ah, the days. Like the show. The best podcast ever. The best podcast ever. I am Jalon Carter. I'm Mike Scala. We also talked about Google and other sites right. catering their results based upon your interests or what they gather your interests are. Right. And we talked about whether that's a good thing and whether it perhaps there should be efforts to stop that. And so we also polled our followers, friends on social media this past week to try to get their thoughts. And we have the results for you. It was 84% said no. In fact, sites like Google and Facebook should not be giving people different information based upon data they've collected on them. And uh, 16% said yes, which is interesting. Yeah, I think that is interesting. I mean, and I don't know. I I'd like to find out why people think that they should, because I mean, it just you would want everyone to be on the same page to get the same information. I would mm-hmm. think, but you know. Well, I think the results show that the overwhelming majority of people do agree with that. Right. I think the people who 
said that they should be allowed were more, I don't want to speak for them all, but, you know, I'm thinking more libertarians who don't think that the government should tell private companies what they can and cannot do, um, you know, that kind of thing. I think it was more, uh, let's let them do what they do and, and leave control to the users and leave it to the private parties, but not have the government all up in their business. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can see there's a point for that, but, at the, you know, and then at the same time, the importance of um, these results um, has grown immensely since, you know, they first started just being a search engine, you know, especially right. when it becomes... And it's not just Google. No. It's also Facebook, and that was something else that we were going to talk about uh, this week. You can actually look in your Facebook settings, I guess, right? and determine how they have you pegged. Like I looked at online and it said how it was very liberal with an affinity for black and Hispanic culture. And these are things that they have down about you that then they use to try to show you content. Right. Cater their advertising. Yeah. And I think you have it for anyone wondering how Facebook has them. How do you access this? Right. Yeah, you go. You can check it out by going to um, facebook.com slash ads slash preferences. And this pulls up your ad preferences. Um, and you, you'll get a page and it shows you, first it shows you like all your interests. And the, these are probably from um, things that you've posted or things that you've liked or that type of thing and they'll show you different uh, interests based on categories news entertainment business hobbies travel people etc um, you can also take a look at advertisers that you've interacted with so um, websites that that have your contact information um, websites uh, whose app that you've used or who you've visited they've got that um, like I've I'm looking here at mine. Some company called Sally Beauty has my contact information. I have no idea why. I don't even know what that company is. Wow. Um, and I'm wondering, though, how accurate they are with these things. You know, thinking about political views. Right. Am I very liberal? I don't know. Or, or you know, but you said they might look at what kind of things you're posting up. But what if you're posting up things that you're dis- disagreeing with? And I wonder how sophisticated that algorithm is. What if you post up all liberal articles because they just get your blood boiling and you're posting up all MSNBC things 24 hours a day saying, I can't believe they've got the gall to say this. Will you be pegged as very liberal because you're posting up liberal articles or do they somehow interpret your comments and see, like read into your comments? Like how deep do they get? I'm or pretty, just how accurate are they with that? I'm pretty sure that they, they, in, they can fi- figure out your intent by other things as well. So a lot of people were excited, ecstatic when Facebook extended the like button from like to love to all of these other right. things. Um, and but depending, that's also a way for them to collect more data. Exactly. So it's a way for them to tell how you feel about certain certain issues. Like I only use like. I've never used any of the other ones. But uh, to the same point, if you like something, does that mean you're liking the thing that's being posted, let's say it's an article, or right. could you be liking the person's commentary on it? So right. 
let's take the same scenario. You have a conservative person posting up liberal articles saying, I can't believe these liberals and their stupid views. And then you have another conservative friend liking that. They could be liking the person's commentary on the liberal article, but maybe Facebook thinks they're liking the liberal article. I don't know. Yeah, but I think they've they've worked their algorithm down to being pretty pretty accurate. Um, Are you saying I'm very liberal? I think you're you're very liberal, and I think you do have an affinity for <laughs> uh, black and Hispanic culture. You you rap and you speak Spanish, so you know. I guess they kind of well, yeah, you, you got me there. They kind of I'm pe- in a book. They kind of <laughs> pegged you, man. Yeah. Now, I'm in a book as an Italian who's not so white. Now, when you go to that to that page on Facebook, you can scroll down. Um, there's a category that said uh, your information, and mm-hmm. there are two tabs under that under that tab. One says about you, and one says uh, your categories. Now, if you click your categories, you'll see what it is that um, they think about you, or, or what kind of information. Now, <laughs> what do they think about you? Now, for yours, you had that type of information, but me, I've turned off some of those ad settings that that uh, allows them to give me ads based on websites I've visited or apps I've used or um, anything to do with my social interactions. So, what they've got for me is pretty generic. Like, it's got frequent traveler. It says what kind of phone I use. It's um, says I'm a Hotmail user. Um, oh, really? Uh, yeah. But you're about to say it says you're a Hotmail. Uh, well, um, I don't see that. On mine, it says that I, I'm a frequent commuter and user of mass transit. Right. Probably because of the Queen's Public Transit Committee. Right. Could be. And it's also, also could be how you use your... Um, your phone if you've got facebook app on your phone um they can kind of figure out you know that you're using it while you're moving every now, time i'm on the ferry like wait a minute this guy's not over land what's going on here now i don't have a a political button on mine so it doesn't have any information on political stuff here for me and it could be because i've turned off some of those other things or maybe they haven't figured you out yet that could be that could be it too that could be too. So yeah, mine's pretty. Mine's, mine's pretty generic, which is good. Okay. I, I like I like it to be generic. Well, we now know, and you know, I don't know how scientific this poll was. It was just our own followers, so take that for what it's worth. But you know, we put that poll out there, and the overwhelming majority of people said that they agreed that these sites should be content neutral. You know, that if there were to be a cause champion like search engine neutrality, that would be one to get behind. So maybe there's something to this. Yeah. And I think I I would imagine that that would just that would be the same result if you took it, you know, to a bigger scale. But who knows? Right. Yeah. So if you want to change some kind of legislation, we can get behind. Yeah. If you want to change your information, the, that's where you need to go to. Well, that's good information to have. Yeah. So and turn off those things so they don't track you. I don't even let them. I don't even let them track like my face. 
Like, you can't turn it off. Yeah, you're super secretive. Yeah, you can't turn it off, but, um, like, the facial recognition, you can't turn it off, but I never tag my face. So if I put my name in a picture, I always tag, like, a body part. (laughs) I used to do that, and then I just kind of gave in and said, you know what? It knows who I am anyway. Other people tag my face, so I'm not going to bother going out of my way. Well, mine. It'll be weird if if they just recognize my body parts instead of my face. Like, (laughs) is that Mike Scala's arm? Well, mine when I when I put a upload a picture, it doesn't um, it doesn't recognize my face. It recognizes it as a face, but it doesn't recognize it as me. Well, that's good that it recognizes it as a face, right? (laughs) Yeah. You don't want to be like, what dog is that? (laughs) <laughs> so yeah so that's um but but now why is this why are you so concerned about facebook recognizing your face um i think it's a i think it's an overstep i think it's too far i don't want a, this major company to have this um facial recognition database um it's it's eventually going to be used other ways it, it can be used as a you know of course a profit vehicle for Facebook if uh, law enforcement or um, those type of organizations start integrating facial recognition widespread Mm. they can already go to these companies that Facebook specifically that has this huge database of hundreds of millions of people and you know I think it's a privacy issue. This is something I wanted to bring up. Somebody actually contacted me this past week about this issue. I don't know if you heard that the Trump administration wants to make public, basically have the government build and control a national 5G network in the U.S. I saw a news clip somewhere around that, but I didn't didn't get any details about that. Right. Their rationale was they're protecting against China, which is kind of weird, but they cited the future and things like driverless cars and basically for security purposes Mm. uh, to prevent catastrophic hacking from foreign powers such as China, they wanted to be in control of the network. Mm. Kind of a tenuous rationale, I think, but this is something that was proposed. Now, somebody contacted me to ask, what does this mean about privacy? For example, if the government wants to tap you or if they want to collect your private messages, let's say there's some kind of criminal investigation or you're a suspected terrorist or whatever the case is, would it be easier? Would they still have to go through the legal channels they do now to get that if the government owns and controls the network? Probably also, not. the concern was uh, what about content restriction? Would it be right. easier for them to engage in censorship if they control the network? Absolutely. And I responded. I said, these are, all, these are all very valid points that you're bringing up, but I did want to make clear that constitutional rights uh, wouldn't dissolve in the face of something like this. In fact, if we were faced with a situation where the government had more control and is in more of a position to engage in censorship, I think that would further implicate our rights, right? I think like the First Amendment would have even more uh, meaning and would—, would have more power if the government could easily restrict, you know, content because that's what the First Amendment is for, freedom of speech. So it does put them in a position where it'll be easier for them to do it, but I think it also uh, enhances our rights. Our rights uh, uh, are more important in, in that in a case like that. 
I, I would disagree that it would enhance our rights. I think it would definitely uh, take away, because there's no way the government's going to sit there with that cache of information and decide to that they have to fill out a form with themselves to access it. They're just going to go straight in and do it. And well, so no, I, so a few points. I'm, I'm talking about our constitutional rights. I'm not talking about as a practical matter, right? So I'm talking about how the Supreme Court would address this. So let's take the censorship issue, for example. If the government was in a position where they could censor certain content, let's say certain sites or, you know, certain right. users, whatever it is, uh, uh, are more likely to post content that or publish things that, that disagree or criticize the government and the government is then able to uh, restrict access or uh, somehow make it more difficult uh, for that information to disseminate. The Supreme Court and, and courts in general are more likely to side with a First Amendment challenge. In other words, if the First Amendment all of a sudden becomes more important, it's because, because the First Amendment is designed to protect people from government overaction. And so now you have the government in a position where it can abuse its power. So from a constitutional standpoint, it makes our rights um, more valuable, more powerful. Um, it doesn't mean that that the government won't be able to somehow, you know, even if not directly, maybe indirectly do, you know, it's, it still puts them in a position where they have more control. Right. But I'm saying from a constitutional standpoint, it gives us, it makes our rights stronger or it gives it, 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 mm. it more strongly implicates those right. rights. Those rights don't go away. Those, those are more important to have. Right. Uh, when it comes to accessing information, you know, my understanding is stored communications like emails, and Facebook messages, for example, would still be held on private servers, right? So the government would still need to get these messages from, let's say, Google or Facebook. It's not like the government would just have them automatically just because the government runs the network, right? Well, if, you're, if you are sending, if you're connected to that network and that's your access point to, to the internet, then anything that you send across there, whether it's an email or not, um, is going to have to go through their network. And so it doesn't matter right. if it's stored on time. a private. Doesn't matter if it's stored on a private server or not. That information still goes through their servers, which it go, they can record. Mm -hmm. They can they copy. can record it in real time. Right. Right. It's, but it's, so it's not stored though. It's but, not stored on a government computer. But they could intercept it in real time. Right, and record it in real time and store it on a copy on their servers. They, right, right, which would be kind of the equivalent of bugging somebody's phone, let's say. And there still right. are uh, procedures, you know, legal procedures that are required to do that. So, again, it would be easier for the government to do it as a practical matter, but right. it wouldn't get rid of our rights. We would still have Fourth Amendment rights and First Amendment rights, and, you know, I think that's important. Um, but, of course it would also be easier to circumvent those rights if you have more control. Right. So, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it goes both ways. Encryption would become even more important at that point. Um, I think, right. I, 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 I don't think the government should do it. Um, I can, I can see an argument for it if they're, if it's something that's um, open for everyone um, and that just uh, kind of lends itself to leveling the playing field as far as um, access for people. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think, I think that would be a little creepy. That would be a little creepy. I think I, I wouldn't want that to take place. Yeah. And it looks like it's not happening, at least not 
right now. I think initially the proposal was shot down, but it was something that was at least put on the table. So the discussion began from that. Yeah. In the meantime, in New York, while they're not giving, um, they're not giving 5G access, but um, apparently all inmates in New York state prisons will soon be getting free tablets. Right. So um, I guess this news came out recently, came out this week, that they're going to be getting uh, free tablets. Now, before, you know, people freak out, there's no state funds will go towards the tablets. So this is a, a deal between the, the state and a company called JPay, where the company is going to pay for the tablets and they receive any revenue from... Um, any purchases that the inmates make, so uh, ebooks, <laughs> wow, etc. Et um, now that's kind of creepy to me. Well, well they're going to have the state isn't paying for it, but again, we talk about the prison industrial complex and right. profiting off of prisoners and, and prison. That's that's creepy. Right. Well, this company JPay is a company that specializes in corrections related services, um, and mm. uh, these tablets um, will have. You know, educational content. They have ebooks. They have music, and it, it's they say to help inmates file grievances and allow them to communicate with family and friends through a secure email system. But there will be no internet access. Right. So um, that's important that they don't have internet access because the concern, of course, is that they're going to communicate with people on the outside who are right. up to no good, and you know whether it's a gang member or whatever. Right. Uh, you know whether it's a plan for escape, um, you know. The email part is interesting, but I'm assuming that the state will be able to access and probably will read all of the emails that go back and forth as they read letters that go back and forth. Right. That shouldn't be any different. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about... Now, I'm, I'm all for, you know, uh, inmates having access to educational material. I think... I think our our system should be more towards um, rehabilitation um, than just punishment. But I don't even have a tablet, yo. <laughs> I just got one. Really? I yeah. I I don't... Buy, I did, like it came with my phone upgrade or something like that. They were like, "Yeah, you do for an upgrade. We can throw in a tablet for like five bucks or something like that." I was like, "Oh," but um, yeah. This is interesting. This goes back to the whole debate over what prisoners should have like should they even have a tv some people say that they have it too easy when they're behind bars and they they shouldn't even have anything um but i know with the tv a lot of ceos say that it's good when they have tvs in their cells because they stay out of trouble that way when they have inmate when they have tvs in their cells they just want to stay in the cell and watch tv and it actually it results in fewer fights and it actually results in fewer COs that have to be hired because right. it's, you know, it keeps them busy. And so it actually saves us all money as taxpayers. Uh, so this could be another one, another thing like that, where if they're entertained in that way, uh, maybe it could actually uh, save us money. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I, I guess though, if you take that argument a little bit further, though, if you give them, if you give inmates um, all the same comforts that you know anyone else has on the outside, then yeah, they're going to be more 
they're going to be less stressed out and more content. But then at what point does punish the, you know, punishment end and just, you know, living comfortably begin? Like, well, you can look at Scandinavian countries that pretty much do offer their prisoners the same amenities that you have on the outside. I right. mean, you know, they have music studios. They There's a prison, and I think it was in Norway, where they opened up their own restaurant. The inmates opened up their own restaurant in the prison. Uh, you have prison systems in foreign countries where uh, the prisoners are actually allowed to go to work uh, in the real world, and then they come back to the prison at night I think, know, I think to sleep there. I think we have some of that, though. We have, like, work-release type of uh, programs. Yeah, in limited circumstances. But I'm talking right. about, like, that's their norm. That's, like, what happens there. Right. Um, so, you know, you can m- make those arguments that just because they're in jail doesn't mean that it should be focused um, strictly on the punishment. Uh, that You know, not saying it should be. You know, some some people think that it already is in our country. I hear, I hear people say this. You know, in our country, uh, these prisoners uh, are on some spa retreat paid by the taxpayers. And I... You know, I would challenge them to sit in a prison jail. Prison yeah, cell. yeah, I would, and, I would and, debate you know, that. Do you really think it's a, a paid for a spa retreat? I mean, you know, there are people who are against getting education. They think that prisoners should not get anything. Uh, you know, right? Which I, to me, is extreme, and and that's the side that says that we should focus strictly on punishment. We've talked right. about this before. That doesn't work. Uh, the goal should be rehabilitation. But what does yeah. that look like, right? Um, of course it's valid. I'm playing devil's devil's advocate a little bit because, of course, it's valid to say that they shouldn't have all the amenities that you have in the real world. I mean, it's still, it's still supposed to be an unpleasant experience to a right. certain extent, right? Right. That's the deterrent aspect. You, you shouldn't make it a place where people want to go. Right. It Yeah, it should not be. Yeah. Um, but, I yeah, I I think we both agree that, you know, education – at least in some form, should uh, be accessible to inmates. Um. Right. Um, look, there's a library. Generally, you can get books. But to me, this is just a move towards the new world. And, you know, people don't read physical books as much as they used to. People read books on tablets or electronically now. Uh, people, you know, our our education is electronic is electronic. Uh, we have laptops yeah. that we take or tablets we take to classes. So why should it be any different in prison? Right? Why should they have to read physical books if that's just not how people do things anymore? Uh yeah. Uh I think yeah, they should just get physical books. Books. They can send me a tablet though. <laughs> but I need internet access on my tablet. Speaking right. of speaking what of about using books? the tablet as a weapon. I I thought about that also. Um, I don't, I don't think that, I think that would be minimal. I mean, sure. They're not going to, uh, be concerned with how much it costs because they got it for free. Like if I got a tablet for free, I'd probably be less careful with it than I would be if I paid for it. But I don't know if it would be weapon. I don't think unless they, unless they learn hacking, you know, I don't think. No, uh, I'm talking about either hitting somebody over the head with it or yeah. using the glass so that's probably more likely breaking the screen and using the glass. Maybe it'll be made some kind of special way where that's hard to do. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I would, I would say, I don't know if they, 
gonna have them in their cells where they can just have the tablet and walk around with the tablet all the time, or if it's right, like they, Maybe it's they just have under supervised. Like you, you, you go to the library and you sit down. And you can use it and then leave it there or something. Right. So that would make more sense to me. Yeah. So I don't know. It, there was there's no other detail about. It. I think um, it just just came out. So there's no more details. I haven't seen any on 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 the program. You know, we talked about the email system that will be set up when I was at Rikers. Some of the inmates were asking for ways to contact me. They were asking what my they were asking if I had a business card or they wanted my email address. And I was advised not to give out an email because I was told if I did, I would be getting emails all day long, like constantly. And I asked, well, how could they email me if they're behind bars? But they said that basically they would give it to their family members, like when they make their phone calls. And right. You know, I would just be bombarded nonstop with emails from family members of it. It'll be from the inmates, but through the family members asking them questions all day long about their cases. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I get it. I'd probably do the same thing. So, speaking of of reading on on tablets and electronic devices, I've always disliked reading on electronic devices. Um. I, guess, I think it's the backlight or whatever it was, but I just finished reading my full, my first full book on my phone, on the first electronic device um, that I've used to read a book. And it was, it was okay. I, I had no problem with it. <laughs> Finally, before it just annoyed the heck out of me. I guess so. it's just a matter of adjusting like anything else. I guess, I don't know. And it, it's a book that I've had on my phone for a couple of years. I just never read it. And then, I don't know, I was sitting around and just, uh, I think I was on the train and I took a look at it and started reading a couple of lines. And then um, I was just in it from then on and just kept going. I had read the first chapter before, but uh, didn't go past it. What book was it? 1984. Ah, yeah. That's an apropos book, given it, all we've been talking about. <laughs> it is. It is. And I think that's kind of what what kept me um, in it longer. Because, you know, that first chapter is a little slow. Like, he's very detailed. Orwell's very detailed in that. Um, right. But, you know, I, I definitely enjoyed the book. So, I think I'm going to start reading some more on there. Yeah. So There are a lot of people who say that they need the old school, old fashioned book. They want to lie down in bed. Like they romanticize the book to the point where it's a little scary to me. It's like there's nothing like curling up with the book by a fireplace and holding it in your arms. It, it makes it sound like it's some kind of romantic partner. Uh, I never got that deep into it, to tell you the truth. Uh, but I do see the appeal in actually having a physical book versus a tablet, especially when you're online, like if your job requires you to be behind a computer screen all day long, you know, you need a rest uh, for your eyes. You don't always want to be looking at it. So, you know, when you're reading a book, a physical book could be an escape from that, I guess. But Yeah, the backlight um, is what I didn't like. Um, yeah. So, like, I had thought about getting a an e-reader before, but, like, the type that has that e-ink to where you're looking at it and actually looks right. like paper. Um, but, you know, I, I never purchased one. And so... You know, I just didn't read any books on on my phone, um, and I always read books in you know physical from physical copies. So, 
Huh? Who knows? Maybe I will start uh, reading some more. It's such a changing world. I remember when I was in school having to go to the library and actually look at physical resources, actual books to do your book reports or your papers, whatever it is. And now it's like kids will just Google it. You know what I mean? I don't even know how they do it anymore. I don't even think think there's a use to go to the library and check out research materials anymore. (laughs) Everything is online. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So... Yeah, things are changing. You're getting old. Look, I'm from a time when emotional support animals were limited to dogs. I don't did were there emotional support animals before like that? <laughs> maybe not even emotional. Well, I don't know. Not uh, in an official animals, capacity. Sure. Maybe not. Maybe not emotional. I don't know. But support. If you're blind, certainly. Sure. Uh, if you have certain. Service you know, dogs. Yeah. Sure. So that's great segue. Boom. See? Thank Still you. got it. Still got it. Um one, yeah, two, one, two. That that um kind of a an an outrageous story, just I think it's a little outrageous. Um this woman was uh denied um I think it was a Delta flight. Um she was yeah. denied boarding because she was trying to bring her emotional support peacock with her now <laughs> this is awesome not phrase right emotional support peacock now this is not just putting those three words together is great okay go ahead and so this is not a you know uh, a service animal uh seeing eye dog that type of thing this is just because she needed an, an emotional support animal and uh, you know i don't know when it started but Airlines do do allow um, an o- emotional support animals for people who, you know, maybe you've got anxiety, maybe you've got depression or whatever it is, and you need an emotional support animal uh, to go with you. So so air- airlines do allow these things um, to happen. Right. Um, but right. it's and, usually... And by the way, in some prisons, they allow this too. Really? Yeah, I've heard oh. about cats and in some cases dogs. And again, it was a way to keep right. uh, the prisoners occupied, something to do, take care of an animal, make them feel wanted and you know part of something. Right. I, I could see I could see that. Um, now, you know, depression, anxiety, they are, those are things that are nothing to play with. They're very, very, very serious, um, very scary to witness someone that's in, in deep depression or um, have deep anxiety issues. So, uh, you know, let's say that, you know, right off the bat. Um, but there's got to be some kind of a limit. A peacock? <laughs> now, I had read that they had purchased a ticket for the peacock. Right. And were told by Delta, I guess it was, that the peacock would not be allowed, but they showed up to the airport anyway right? with this peacock. Now, I don't know if they're intending a lawsuit and that's why they did it or they were just trying to just muscle their way on board with the peacock. Um, the fact that it's a peacock just makes it kind of funny, I think. And again, it's not right. to make light of anyone's condition, but it's a, it's a peacock, right? Right, right. And it is a big bird. Like, let's, let's be real. And that's a concern. That's why it wasn't allowed because... Who wants to be stuck, trapped on an airplane <laughs> high above the civilization with the large bird 
you know, and who knows? What if the bird gets loose and causes some kind of trouble on the plane? And what I think, and that's that's kind of the thing I think that needs to be talked about um, in general as a as a society as well. Um, now she may very well need um, this emotional support animal to function. She might not. There's, I mean, there's also a big thing going on where people are. Since there's no actual license for emotional support animals, um, people are using it as a way to get, you know, to have their animals fly free when they go somewhere. And they're just saying, oh, it's my emotional support animal. I need this. Um, mm-hmm. So people are scamming that that, um, yeah, that system. Yeah. That, and so I still think, though, that what needs to be discussed, what needs to be talked about is that there has to be like you may need this. But you also have to take into account how you are going to uh, your situation is going to bogart someone else's peace of mind on on the plane or wherever it is, right? Or their safety, their safety. Like but if and, I have an emotional support crocodile, like why does it have to be peacock? That's what I want to know. Well, that's you know whatever her animal was, and you know there apparently have been an eighty four percent increase in. Um, and ill animal behavior such as urinating, defecating, biting, and attacks on flights. Hmm. Uh, and so Delta's. I been would not feel comfortable with a peacock or a large animal on my flight. I certainly would not. I, I wouldn't either. And I think, you know, we we're in this situation now. We're in this kind of um, space now where it's all about people are more interested in how they feel, um, and you know, disregarding that. This is a society. There are people around you. And, you know, when you're in public, it's not only about how you feel. It's also about the people around you. That's a great point, right? Just as a general matter. Like, you know, we talk about the Me Too movement, for example. But, you know, me is is in there. I think you can make the argument that this is a very me, me, me centered society at this point. And we don't do enough to think about how other people feel. And it's getting worse. I think it's getting worse. I mean, I think, you know, situations like this seem to be, um, you know, more of an indication of, like, how far is it going to go? And I think that does hurt. You know, it hurts both sides where, you know, people get political, you know, liberals or or conservatives. Like, these types of things fuel these arguments because no one sits down and has this, you know, conversation and says, look, yeah. You may need your peacock, but there are hundreds of other people on this plane who are not going to be comfortable with that. So you may just have to drive. Right. Who don't need a peacock. (laughs) Right. Who need space free and devoid of peacocks. Right. Like, I wouldn't want that, you know, sitting next to me. Like, he may be cute, but, you know, what if it smells? What if it uses the bathroom? What if it bites your face off? And there was also another um, in the same vein, and it wasn't a you know an animal, but this lady on a flight, she got up, and in the middle of the flight decided that she wanted to do yoga in the aisle. <laughs> wow! Like if you know if you're sitting on the aisle, the aisle seat, and some stranger starts like doing downward dog in the middle of your flight, <laughs> like come on. It's not all about oh my you. Goodness. 
it's not all about you. That's really funny, though. It's funny that somebody would think that they, they're just entitled to do something like that, you know? And I think that's where we're moving towards. People are moving. There's video of that on the internet, it, it, by the maybe way. Maybe it's not really funny. I find it funny, but in a sad way. It's like it's so sad, sometimes you just have to laugh. You know? Yeah. Like, wow. It's kind of even hard to wrap your head around. It's, wow, this is where we're at, you know? This is This is where we're at. This is where we're at. So, yeah. Go do your stretching somewhere else. Don't do it on the floor in the aisle. Stand up, walk around like everyone else does for a minute, and sit your butt back down. Or don't take a flight. Right. Like, yeah. So I think these are some these are some things that people just aren't talking about. Like, there has to be some kind of uh, dialogue that says that gets back some sort of a baseline norm of public behavior decency it, it can't be all about others. yeah it can't be all about you and how you feel right and so yeah i think we're we need to get that get on that and and if people speak about it like that they're like oh yeah yeah you were you know you're a hater or you're discriminating take against that, my feelings and this type of thing I was started, reading an article about it started with, with Puffy, right? No, I was gonna say I was, this type of behavior started with participation trophies. Trophies. Participation Even trophies. That. Even when before people, that. Yeah, but I think it yeah. started. It's it it ramped up when they started giving everybody a trophy just for participating. Right. No, I agree. I agree. Like, but I was, was reading an article about uh, about hip hop and you know the, the development of commercial versus underground hip hop and how they merged and. You know the advent of the internet and technology right. and all, but it talks about Puffy and uh, how, he, how he kind of invented the whole. Uh, you're just a hater if you criticized him. So it's like you couldn't talk, you couldn't criticize what he was doing because that made you a hater. It was it was you know like a way of deflecting any possible uh, criticism. But I agree with the whole particip- the uh, participation trophies to the point where now kids don't know what it's like to lose, and I think that's a valuable lesson. To teach somebody. When I was a kid in school, and here I go sounding like an old man again, but Grandpa. we played dodgeball. We played dodgeball, and you better believe there was a loser. I mean, you got pegged with that dodgeball. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the teacher laughed at you, and you lost. You had to go sit down in shame while the other kids <laughs> finished the game. Uh, I think, and it was humiliating. And now parents actually complain sometimes, like this is not right. But you know what? I think that's better than making everybody a winner. There was actually a video I saw, and it was a, a joke where. This uh, this guy was the coach of a ballless soccer team, and the joke what? was that <laughs> the joke was that There's all kinds they, of jokes right there. They played soccer without a ball <laughs> because they didn't want to have an actual game where someone could win or lose, so they just pretended to kick the ball around. And he's like, "We're still team building, you know. It's still a way for the kids to socialize and and exercise, okay. and they're still playing a sport." But it takes away the devastation of losing. And and he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, this, this is what I do. I'm a ballless soccer coach. This is my ballless soccer team. And, yeah, it's, <laughs> it was phrased that way intentionally. That was the joke. But right. a lot of people thought it was serious because it seems somewhat realistic given what we see nowadays. Right. You know, I could I, see that happening somewhere. I, I, def- I could definitely see that happening as well. But, uh, yeah. 
So yeah, I play Xbox sometimes. It's a good way to relax, to you know, to kind of clear your head a little bit. Uh, when I was, st- I was studying for the bar exam, they ac- actually recommended at least an hour a day of an activity that uh, was relaxing and also helped you with concentration. So I would play a baseball video game, and what ends up happening is, and, and you know, I don't know how old. The people I'm playing uh, against are, but I imagine most of them are young because oftentimes what happens is when you start beating them, like let's say you hit a home run and you take the lead over them, they quit the game. So like you uh, can't yeah. even take a lead in the game. It, it'll just say like like you know connection interrupted or you know game over kind of thing because they just shut their game off. And rage quit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or or sometimes they'll actually start like if if you're batting and you score and the, and they get mad. They'll start hitting you like with the ball. They'll just they peg you with the ball every time, like to you know <laughs> take their frustration out on you. That's okay. Like, That's fine. Well, but come on, like I don't get mad. Like to, for me, if I'm playing a game and I'm losing, I don't get mad. It's a challenge to try to catch up and win, but it's not something to get heated about. There are much more serious problems in the in the world. It's a game, you know. What I mean, well, people don't know you, how, to, you know, how to lose these days. Well, you know, and in. You're talking about getting heated, yeah. Online video game play, you know, the chat rooms can get or the voice chat can get pretty heated. People talking about each other's mothers, and there's a lot of racism there. There's a lot of. Uh, I used to love to 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 teabag people in the games. Wait a minute, I what? That was, I, I thought that was hilarious. Oh boy, yeah. There was a guy. This is a guy that comes on there sometimes who will pause the game, and uh, he'll go to the instant replay. And he'll zoom in mm. and out on the back of the umpire to make it look like he's, you know, or, or to simulate some kind of uh, activity with the umpire. Uh, I guess it's a way to taunt you. But it's like, come right. on, can't, can't you just play the game? Well, see, I, I, I don't know, but I never played um, baseball on in multiplayer games online, but I used to do, like, uh, first-person shooters. And so mm. I I thought it was... I, I still think, think it's funny after you... After you shoot someone, you know, when the person dies, like, their character lays there for, you know, about 10 seconds or so before they respawn. And so within that 10 seconds, you go and stand over their face and then, like, kind of bounce up and down like you're, you're teabagging them. And wow. It's I hilarious. I never got into first-person shooters, though. I, I did like playing the GTA games mainly for the role-playing, you know, the RPG aspect. Like, I liked all the Final Fantasy games. You like Back the rob hookers, just just say. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's I, I like RPGs, like with storylines, and you know we can kind of just get right. into the the plot. Um, and yeah. there aren't too many games like that anymore. I think most games nowadays are shoot 'em up games, and to me, it's kind of boring. Well, there are there are some of those still, but um, yeah, I like I like both of those games. I'm you know definitely GTA was good, and um, I like first person shooters when there's uh, when there's like a lot of team teams around like not so much to call of duty but more battlefield where there's more of a uh, a team dynamic that you use but you know sometimes you want some mindless entertainment as well right so yeah, it's all about that balance but people need grace dignity you know losing a game it's not the end of the world. Maybe if you're a kid, it's like that's that's your whole life right now. So like it's devastating. But that's something that's you know people need to learn. That it's, that's an experience that I think we all need to go through. 
Yeah, and I think it would probably cut down on people needing emotional support peacocks. And probably cut down on people going to jail and needing tablets. Yeah, it probably would. It probably would. It's pretty would, back dodgeball. So. I'm somewhat kidding everyone's gonna to want to say oh look what he advocates for i'm just you know what no but, i think it's kind of crazy that dodgeball was taken out of the schools i know people are saying it's too violent but it's dodgeball it's all right you know, we need to move more towards every now and then real competition <laughs> winning and losing not ball of soccer and everybody gets a trophy right so because, you know, life is not going to give you a trophy. Like, life's going to suck. You know, you get out of you get out of school, life is going to suck because you're not going to win all the time. Well, and, I think, yeah, look, it's going to suck more if you're not used to losing. If you can right. learn from your mistakes and not consider it the end of the world, like, oh, my God, I, you know, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me, then it's not necessarily a sucky thing. I mean, yeah, things right. are going to happen that aren't going to be great, but... It depends on your outlook, right? It's not exactly. what happens to you is how you handle things that are happening because things happen to everybody, right? It's, it's, exactly. it's about your mentality. Exactly. You have to be able to deal with it. And it's actually, I'm um, pretty sure in some Eastern philosophies, it's more, um, they talk about, you know, the only control we have, our, our free will is about, I think about 15%. Um, Everything else is kind of like it's going to happen to you. So the fifteen percent is your of free will that you have is not to control things. It's how right. you react to things that happen to you. Well, it's kind of really like the a only poker control game. that you have, right? Like they say in poker, if you sit down long enough, if you play long enough, everybody gets the same hands, right? Like you play mm-hmm. an infinite number of hands, everybody is going to get the same hands the same number of times. But mm-hmm. you still have people who are better than the game than others because they know how to play the cards that they're dealt, right? right? Life is not about the cards you dealt. Life is about how you play them. And of course, it's right. easier to say that if you dealt better cards. That's when you get privilege. Some people certainly are born into a better situation. So let's not say everyone in life has the same situation because they don't. But, right. They don't. Right, definitely but, not. Right. But as a general matter, though, I think uh, that's kind of if, if there's a secret to life, that's what it is, right? Making the best of your situation. Right. Absolutely. I think we need to... Um, to mention before we leave um, that we are on the 1st of February 2018. Happy Black History Month. Yes. So go out and learn some black history and we'll all be the better for it. And I think people are also always saying like, uh, you know, Black people, we need to learn more black history and this and that, learn more in schools. I think, to me, um, the white majority needs to learn black history as well. Mm. Um, because Agreed. then it ha- what it does is you don't see the differences. Like, if you're, if you're looking at a pantheon of the, the, the historical leaders in the country and inventors and such, and it's a mixed bag of different people. You're not going to feel that much more privileged. It's like, okay, well, everyone contributed. Like You get all of that information. So I think everyone needs to hear not just black history, but Native American history, like everything that contributed right. to the society. Absolutely. Everyone needs to learn about that. And it, it, it will all be better off for that. Right. I, I agree. And it was a story that you 
came across about the black barbershop recently. Yeah. Um, I think um, it was a it was an article of uh, I don't know the website, but it was an article saying that um, the black barbershop is is toxic um, and intimate for cishet black men, which cishet would be um, cisgender heterosexual black men. And now, this is there even by, a need to say that cishet black men? Well. This was written by um, uh, a homosexual uh, black man, and um, it seemed, uh, from what reading in the article, it kind of seemed like he didn't feel comfortable in there. So to me, it sounded like he was attacking it because he didn't feel comfortable in that. Um, but I think... Sounds like he needs a peacock. I, you know, I think he does. Um, I don't know if we have a time to even go into this, but it's it's kind of like in in black and Latino uh, neighborhoods and I guess just urban urban uh, neighborhoods in general. Yeah. Um, barbershops are kind of like that spot where men go. And I think it's always been that way, even not even just black and Latino, but like, you know, you go to the barbershop, they get a shave, right. they get their hair cut. You know, guys can talk with guys, and it's just kind of that camaraderie type of space. Um, right, it's and where so that talk this, happens about politics and music, culture, everything. Right, and so, you know, he kind of felt, I guess it seemed like he kind of felt threatened, but he was trying to link, he was trying to link it to um, an intimate setting, like it was kind of a, right. a, Why is a it romantic relationship. Um, between like it's a romantic relationship between the barber and the and the customer. Okay, um, but why? Because it's is sacred. it toxic? Um, he was saying that because I guess of the way um the things they talk about in there is toxic because it um centers on hyper masculinity. Oh, I see. Um, which. You know, I think that term is being overly used, but um, that's right. probably something we could we could do a whole podcast talking about. Yeah, and it's kind of a weird approach. If you want to say that we're too hyper masculine, okay, that's one thing. But to say that the barbershop is a toxic environment because you see that there, it's almost like a to me it's like misguided anger. Talk about the hyper masculinity. I agree. Not, not about the barbershop. Right? You could have right. that conversation anywhere. Right. Yeah, and and I agree. Like it's 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 misguided, it's misplaced. To me, it just sounds like uh, the person isn't comfortable um, in who they are, and when they go into the barbershop, it makes them feel even more like they stick out. Right. And so, I think that goes back to that it's all about me thing that we were talking about before where it's right. like, well, if it's not like like me and where I feel this way, then... Right. If I can't do yoga in between the barber chairs, we got a problem. Right. And so, yeah, I think that's an issue. <sighs> but... A lot of issues, a lot of issues. A lot of issues. Put Leave your peacocks at home. And, um, you know, change your ad preferences on Facebook. Uh, read on your tablets. 
and subscribe uh, on iTunes. Yes, subscribe. The best podcast ever. This is Jaylon Carter. And it's Mike Scala. Catch you next time.